I mean, they're hugely thinking about it because there needs to be an incentive for someone to come onto a brand site versus going on an existing third-party site to buy or sell. And that's where building the most incredibly unique and engaging customer experience using the data that only brands have access to is absolutely critical. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. As the e-commerce space has evolved, we have seen new models and approaches pop up all over the retail realm. Of course, there is the standard peer-to-peer e-commerce online, branded e-commerce experience, But now we're also seeing things like in-store refurbishment services and exchanges and so much more. On today's episode of the pod, we have Emily Gittins, co-founder and CEO of Archive, who is going to tell us a little bit more about these models, their unique value propositions, and why brands can embrace one or several of them. It's definitely this interesting time where we're seeing brand and customer experience rise in prevalence as we think about e-commerce. And in turn, we're seeing more structured conversations around measuring impact and business value. Emily has incredible lessons from all of the great partnerships she's had and has with archive customers. So you'll also hear some great real-life examples along the way. If you're looking for ideas or inspiration around all things re-commerce, this episode is definitely for you. Emily, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, and honestly, anytime we talk about sustainability, re-commerce, it always gets a lot of attention in the industry. So excited to dig into this with you, mainly because you started Archive, an incredible business that we'll get into. You started the business with your co-founder, Ryan Bro, based on the belief that technology had an important role to play in reducing fashion's environmental footprint. Definitely a lot of development in that area. So I'm curious, from your standpoint, What were some of the biggest opportunities that you had in mind as you were kind of building the mission behind the business? Yeah, for those who aren't familiar, Archive is a technology platform. We help brands launch a profitable resale business. So we're a white label solution and act sort of behind the scenes to help brands like the North Face run the North Face Renewed or Hannah Anderson run Hannah Anderson Preloved, for example. The why behind building this company starts actually with climate change. I've been terrified by climate change for most of my life since I was a teenager. And it's becoming so real now. I mean, we just had the hottest month on record ever. Think about that. And the fashion industry and the way that we consume is driving a huge portion of that. It's estimated that 8% of greenhouse gas emissions come from the fashion industry, 8%. And 80% of that impact comes from the production of new items. So a few years back, that got me thinking, what if buying secondhand was the norm? What if every time you needed something, your default was to buy it used because it was just as fun and easy as buying it new? And I think more importantly, what if brands actually made money from secondhand? So they wanted secondhand to be the norm. 
And I felt like that would change everything. I talked to probably 100 brands back in 2019 and 2020 to validate that they had some interest in resale. And amazingly, they did. Time and time again, I heard from brands that they saw this huge business opportunity in resale. They saw how big and fast growing a market it is, but they needed support to figure out how to do it well on their own. Then I met Ryan Rowe, my co-founder, as you mentioned, who is the most talented person I've ever met. And we started thinking about what this could mean for customers, for people like me and you who love to buy and sell secondhand. And it became pretty obvious that there was this huge opportunity to really transform the way that people bought and sold secondhand goods if brands got involved, that it would unlock just such a better customer experience on both sides. And so through those conversations, we really felt like brands owning resale would be a win-win-win proposition. It's a win for the environment. It's a win for customers. And it's a win for brands because it's good for business too. And that led us to start the company. And I didn't know you've had that fear of climate change for a while. And like having that firsthand experience, I think really helps reaffirm, you know, your mission and your objectives, especially as you're aiming to start a business, right? It's like you try to ladder up to a bigger purpose or need or challenge. And obviously it's something that's top of mind for a lot of folks right now. But I know you also had a background at BCG and Google, which kind of gave you a bit more context, right? So can you kind of expand upon how those experiences kind of helped you understand that true fashion connection and the implications of fashion and consumption of product and how that kind of connected the dots, I guess, for you a little bit better? Absolutely. Yeah, Google X was an amazing place to be and to learn because it's incredibly entrepreneurial, which gave me that entrepreneurial mindset to start Archive. BCG was incredibly helpful because it gave me those business tools. You know, I was working with a lot of enormous companies and that helped me think about the business case for resale and most importantly, ensuring we were building something that was going to be profitable for brands, which has been a struggle in the industry and almost no one has done before. And then actually one of the most impactful experiences for me in starting this company was my time at Stanford where I got my MBA and a master's in environmental science. And that's where I dug really deep into both the environmental impact of fashion, but also the business case for resale. And through the research that I did there, I had this real realization around how resale could be a massive driver in reducing the impact of fashion, but also an incredible business opportunity for tons of brands out there. Yeah. So let's kind of double click into that business opportunity because... At its core, this idea of re-commerce is kind of creating this constant loop, you know, this circular <laughs> model for buying, selling, and engaging with goods. So that's consumer to brand, but also consumer to consumer as well. So let's dig into those opportunities and specifically what Archive kind of brings into the fold, right? Because this is a growing market. It's not just a big trend. It does have clear market opportunity, market growth, as you stated. So you mentioned the emphasis on experience. So can you expand upon that and what Archive is bringing to the table for both brands and for customers? Yeah, absolutely. We work with nearly 50 brands in seven countries today and have just so much learning and insight already on what customers are looking for in that secondhand experience, be it buying or selling. 
And like you mentioned, we're hyper-focused on that end customer experience and just making it as easy as possible for people to buy and sell used. My co-founder sometimes talks about how we need this to be Amazon level ease and experience because the default today is to buy things new and it's just so easy and convenient to do so. So how do we match that with resale? On the brand side, we've been really focused on offering a variety of different solutions because we know that resale is not one size fits all for brands depending on their audience and their customer base. So we have a ton of different models and different features that brands can layer on into their experience to make it feel really, really authentic to them. And on the model side, some of our brands are actually choosing to own all of the logistics themselves. Others are using our partners. And so we have a lot of flexibility there in terms of how that plays out for each brand. Got it. That's great. So then in terms of how these experiences come to life. Like there are a few different models or approaches to re-commerce, quote unquote, right? Like there are things like refurbishment and things like that. So can you expand upon that? Because I feel like sometimes, at least for me, like in my coverage of retail, I feel like there are sometimes these terms or phrases that act as like catch-alls, but sometimes they're a bit more nuanced. So can you kind of break down those different re-commerce models and why maybe they are unique or valuable depending on the brand? Totally. Yeah. There's so much jargon in this industry and, you know, everyone assumes everyone knows what everyone's talking about, but yeah, I can try and break it down. I think roughly in terms of models, this splits into two buckets. So there's models where you're touching inventory, where we're taking back products, cleaning it, repairing it, and then models where that doesn't happen and it's kind of direct sale between customers. So starting with the models where we don't touch inventory, often that's described as peer-to-peer. This is where buying and selling takes place in an online marketplace. And with Archive, that's a completely branded experience where we're pulling in the original product data from the brand to make it really easy to create a listing and really engaging to buy because you're shopping from the original e-commerce photography and you have the dimensions and the product details and the care information all on that listing auto-generated. Also within that model, we sometimes have vintage resellers listing onto the site. So for example, with Marimeco, we've gone and sourced all of these amazing vintage resellers of their product and their listing directly onto the site so that we can get that really exciting and engaging vintage product from them. Then secondly, thinking about models that actually take inventory, there's a few different buckets within that. This is often called take back or trade-in models. One way to do that is through stores. So for example, with the North Face, you can go into any store in the US or Canada, you can drop off an item and you can get a gift card back for that item. There's a mail-in model. So we work with a brand called Toad & Co who allows customers to actually mail in their product and again, get a gift card or some kind of reimbursement for sending that in. And then finally, there's brand-owned inventory too. So that's where we're seeing brands who have a lot of returns or damaged product that can't be sold as new, also listing those onto the same site experience. So Fahati Brand is one example of a brand doing that. Got it. And this may be a super loaded question, and please keep me honest if so, but how can brands best determine which model or models work for them? I mean, of course, it's a deep customer understanding and trying to figure out what they need. But to your point that this needs to be 
profitable and make sense for the business? Like what boxes kind of need to be checked there? Yeah, like you say, it is really unique to each (laughs) brand and their goals for the program. So hard to give a catch-all answer, as you probably indicated. But we actually see this more of a question of where to start because actually our vision is that brands have a variety of different models and can say to their customers, actually, it's up to you. If you want to list this item directly onto the site, you can, you're probably going to get a bit more value from it, but it's going to require more work. Or if you prefer, you can drop it off in store, or you can mail it in and we'll take that work from you, but you might not get quite so much value for it. But as you say, there's definitely some considerations to take into account with profitability in mind. So we look quite closely at price point, at likely sell-through rates, things like that, to understand which models are going to drive the most value for brands. But we also look at customer preference and just what is the customer of this brand most excited about? Where are they listing today? Are they looking for value or are they looking for a really easy experience? Just to give you an example of how this plays out, the North Face, for example, actually started with a peer-to-peer model in one market. They then expanded that to sell their damages and returned items that couldn't be sold as new in the US. And then they've since layered on install take back as a, a later phase. That's quite different to someone like Oscar de Laurenta, who from the start knew that they wanted to launch resale in an extremely customized and distinct way. So they actually operate a drop model and they take back vintage items in-house, they repair them, they photograph them themselves, and then they showcase all of those pieces together in a highly curated drop every month or two. Oh, I love that. And I guess it kind of ties to this bigger question of how brands need to be thinking about that brand experience piece of the puzzle, right? Because I've had a lot of conversations around e-commerce and they always ultimately ended up in that, I guess, operational side of things, like what needs to be happening on the back end for this to work well, which obviously connects to the customer experience kind of at the tail end. But I feel like when we're talking about things like repair and refurbishment services and like peer to peer even like there are some pretty big brand experience implications there. So I'm curious, like how you're seeing brands think about this? Are they thinking about this? Because again, I feel like as there's such a close tie to making this model profitable, there is such a big focus on that operational side. So I don't know, is is this something that they are starting to focus more on because it is becoming a bit more, I don't want to say mainstream, but like it is becoming something that everyone's kind of collectively focusing in on and like the customer experience helps differentiate. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they're hugely thinking about it because there needs to be an incentive for someone to come onto a brand site versus going on an existing third party site to buy or sell. And that's where building the most incredibly unique and engaging customer experience using the data that only brands have access to is absolutely critical. So we focus on this a lot. And the brands we work with are really thinking about resale as it's a new business unit. You know, it's like when people launched e-commerce for the time, it's for the first time, it's an entirely new business unit with often a new team as it grows its own KPIs. But it's really important that that customer experience feels on brand and integrated with the other brand's experiences. So as we think about building an e-commerce experience for resale, we're thinking about how do we integrate in the right points with the brand's mainline e-commerce experience and make it very seamless for a customer. 
as we're thinking about in-store strategies, we're making sure there's resonance between the new buying experience and the used buying experience or the trade-in experience and making it such that the customer feels like that resale experience is very on brand and definitely wouldn't know that we were powering it behind the scenes. Just to maybe speak a bit to some of the business case here as well, I think brands see this as an entirely new revenue stream, which is incredibly fast growing and can be profitable on its own, but also as a business that fuels the main part of their business too. So as a customer acquisition strategy, but also as a loyalty play, because we see that people are very likely to come back to brands and resell and then stay within their ecosystem over time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about like how this is a completely new business model, different division, essentially. But then it's also kind of creeping into the more established and existing components of the customer journey. So like, for instance, the refurbishment services going into store experiences and like, how do like those worlds play together? How do associates support those re-commerce behavior, so to speak. Right. So, I mean, are there any approaches that you've seen to this re-commerce journey, whether it be online, mobile, even in-store that like have really stood out to you? Or if possible, if you want to call out how different approaches have been done, you know, in your work at Archive, I mean, I'm sure that would be valuable for our listeners too, like just to kind of illustrate how all of these pieces kind of play together. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely spend time up front thinking about what are the experiences that we want to offer to your customers and how can we make this really unique to your brand. Um, so one example there is with Kuyano, who's a handbag brand. It was really important to them that they had a donation component to this program because they had been kind of in touch with this charity called Heart for a while and it felt really important to them and their customers. So for their resale experience, you can actually go on and you have the option to either resell your handbag or send it out for donation. And that's a really easy choice to make all facilitated by us on the back end. Another example is MM Lafleur, where they were really excited to incorporate a repair component for some of their damages. And so we partnered with Hemster. And so those never worn items can be resold on the site in partnership with that partner. We're also working with digital ID partners to make that listing experience really seamless. And then finally, I think as there's features that brands are curious about that might make the experience feel more on brand for them, we just go ahead and build those for them. So one example there is with Ula Johnson, they were really excited about matching supply and demand in the market. And so we built them this feature where you can actually list items that you're looking for and they can go out and find those from prior customers and match the demand, that interest from that buyer with the supply out there as well. Oh, that's a really interesting use case. Like being able to support that transparency and that alignment between what the customer is really saying that they want or need and being able to match that. So obviously you guys have worked with so many great brands and they all have different goals, situations, and, and of course have executed upon these models and experiences very differently. So I'm curious, I mean, have there been any challenges or problems that have emerged in the process? Maybe not so much in these relationships that you have within archive, but maybe even beyond, like industry-wide, right? Have there been any clear challenges or obstacles as far as 
executing e-commerce well, building these experiences successfully, like anything that just you've noticed by tracking the market and of course having these different partnerships? Yeah, I think one thing that this industry is still figuring out is who should own this internally at a brand, right? It's such a new initiative for many brands. It's this new business unit. And so figuring out where it sits, how to resource it, what the KPI should be is still a work in progress that we're supporting brands with, but I think it is very dependent on the brand and how they're set up. So for some brands, it sits within e-commerce, for others, it's sustainability, for others, it's an entirely different business unit with a new team, sometimes it's an innovation. And so I think as this industry matures, that will become more clear and we'll see a lot more postings for re-commerce roles and having people who actually GM this business within the brand. Right. Because then if you have someone that actually owns this, they're essentially advocating for it. They're able to focus on all of those components that make for a great experience. And, you know, one thing that really rose to the top for me and just researching for this conversation, prepping for it, is archive noting the importance of data in this process, Mm -hmm. right? Understanding what's working, what's not, how to best scale. So can we dig into that a little bit, like how Archive uses data, but most of all, I guess, the business impact of taking this data-driven approach because this market, again, is growing so fast, number one, but it's also evolving so fast at the same time. So fast, exactly. And if you think about just how many years we've spent fine-tuning the e-commerce experience as an industry, Resale is so new and brands don't have that data about how people shop used or how people list items. And so they're really looking to us and to the industry to optimize that. We're obsessed with data at Archive. We're constantly looking at how customers are interacting with the sites. What could we do to improve that experience and help our brand partners grow and and scale the business? So we're looking at things like conversion, site experience, sell-through rate whether demand and supply are in balance, right? Because this is a new thing for brands to have to think about is, do we have enough product on the site for this to be a really great buying experience? And therefore, you actually want to boost demand? Are we actually supply constrained? And we should be pushing people to bring in more items because the sell-through rate is really high and there's we need to get more inventory onto the site. So what we've seen and how we've seen that play out is that we can make quite small changes, for example, making small tweaks to a navigation or a filter system that make more sense for resale and actually see really dramatic increases in conversion. That's so fascinating, just like how data can really tell that robust story. And I guess it connects to your point earlier around how like this should be its own division and, you know, it needs its team and of course support. So being able to tell that story through data to validate the impact of the model, of course, leads to that opportunity and validation needed to expand and invest appropriately for it to be valuable for the broader business. But I guess digging into that point around measuring success and identifying and validating value, how else should brands be thinking about this? Like are there firm KPIs that you guys recommend? I know you shared a few measures in your last response, but is there anything else that they should be thinking about as they want to paint that data picture, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's four main KPIs that we think about when we're building this business and the extent to which they matter for brands is obviously dependent on their goals. But the first is revenue. How big a revenue stream is this for you in proportion to your total business? And is it a profitable one? 
So for MM Lafleur, we've seen this drive 3% of their annual revenue just in the program's first year. And that is a program that is continuing to grow. So that's net new revenue for the brand that they should certainly be tracking and ensuring is, is highly profitable and seeing how we grow that over time. We talk with brands who have huge aspirations to grow that to you know, 10, 20% of their revenue in the next few years. The second is customer acquisition. How much is this a driver to bring new customers into your brand? On average, we see that about 50% of resale shoppers are new to brand, but that's something we're tracking very closely. And then the third is loyalty. We're seeing that the average person who buys resale on a brand is, has two to three X the lifetime value of people who just buy new, but tracking really closely the interaction of people who both buy secondhand and who sell secondhand and how that might make them go on to spend more with the brand over time is really critical. And then finally, it's that environmental impact. The reason we started this company and the change that we want to see is actually abating emissions and other environmental impacts. So a lot of our brands are, are tracking those closely as well. Oh, that's great. Super helpful just to at least provide a baseline for what brands should be thinking about and setting up a process for measuring these impacts. And it's been interesting to see just beyond the e-commerce sector, like how brands are measuring and communicating the impact of their sustainability efforts. I know we've had many internal conversations around one, how they're measuring and like who's measuring and how they're communicating that across the business and to customers, because it does have an impact. And obviously through the course of our conversation, you've mentioned a lot of great brands that you've worked with, some examples of how they've approached re-commerce, how they're measuring. Are there any collective lessons or best practices we can distill from these incredible use cases and partnerships that you've had thus far? Like if you were to kind of break it down, I guess, into a couple of nuggets of takeaways or points of wisdom for our listeners. Yeah, great question. We have such a diverse set of brands too. So it's interesting to think about what we're seeing across all of them. I think the first thing is, as we just talked about, having internal alignment on the goals and objectives for this program and being really clear on what you want it to do for your business is the number one most important thing and flows into how brands think about resourcing the program as well. And I think the second thing is that continuing to build awareness for this program and the fact that brands have a resale channel is really critical. We speak to a lot of customers of our brands and a lot of the time they don't even realize that this is an option. But when they do, they're so excited to know that they can come directly to the brand to resell something or that they have that option to buy used through the brand. So just thinking about strategies to build awareness more broadly with customers as this industry is so new, but definitely see a day in the future where everyone knows that you can go onto any brand site and direct to resell. And that will be just a normalized customer behavior. That's great. So, I mean, with that in mind, again, knowing that this space is growing and evolving so rapidly, and there are so many different models that we're seeing go into market and be successful, what is Archive thinking about next? I mean, what are your priorities in terms of growth, building out your solutions? Because I'm going to ask you about this, but like there are clear opportunities for growth and innovation, right? So what's really top of mind for Archive right now? Yeah, it's so many things. We're really focused on making sure we have the best technology solution out there. So we're investing a lot in our tech, more of that leveraging data and building the tools for brands to manage this business in a highly profitable way. 
but also really excited about the products we're building to support resale in stores. We've historically been quite focused on e-commerce, but the next wave of this will be, you know, much more incorporating brand store footprints to drive an enormous resale business. And then secondly, for us, we're expanding a lot through Europe. We're already live in five European countries, but are continuing to expand there and have really strong partnerships already and, and going live later this year. And I guess finally, we want to stay at the forefront of innovation here and just continue to build the features that our customers want and stay ahead of all trends in consumer shopping behavior, whether it's incorporating some of the recent developments in Gen AI or personalized shopping, whatever it's top of mind for brands is top of mind for us. Love that. So, I mean, to the end, I mean, you can answer this personally. I mean, are there any facets of sustainability, re-commerce, more generally customer experience? Are there any emerging opportunities that you think, you know, technology can really support this or, you know, oh, this trend could really connect to the sustainability or re-commerce mission? Like, I'm always curious how new technologies can support the broader goals for this sector in particular. So is there anything in particular that you're watching? Yeah, I'm an environmental science nerd. So I'm really obsessed with watching the life cycle assessment improvements in this space, which is how do we actually measure the impact of fashion really closely and track the impact that re-commerce and other sustainable initiatives can have. There's been historically not a lot of good technology in this space and it's moving at a rapid pace. So keeping a close eye on that, which I think will definitely link very closely with our business. Amazing. Well, it has been fascinating digging into all of the work that Archive has done, is doing to kind of support this interesting phase of re-commerce where we're seeing the interest reach a whole new level among consumers. You know, now we're seeing brands and retailers really take action. But now I feel like we're in this like magical moment where the brand strategy and brand value prop is really coming into play here. And, and that's kind of where the creative opportunities are unlocked. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing some examples, sharing your perspectives on what our listeners really need to focus on. Thank you, Alicia. It's been really fun. I appreciate the conversation and uh, excited to talk more about this in the future. We'll definitely take you up on that. And <laughs> we'd love to start with continuing the conversation on social. Of course, we always encourage our listeners to drop us a line on social media, on Twitter at our touchpoints, LinkedIn at retail touchpoints, just so you can ask any follow-up questions or dig into this topic a little bit more. Like I mentioned, and like Emily mentioned a few times too, like this space is evolving so quickly and we'd love to see how different companies are approaching it. So feel free to ask any follow-up questions or dig into your approach on social with us. And of course, we would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. And if you want to get the latest and greatest episodes delivered right to your device, be sure to subscribe to the show. We are doing this every week, sitting down with folks like Emily to dig into the trends and tech that are really rising to the top and impacting the future of the industry. So for now, thanks to all of you for listening. And Emily, thanks again to you. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.